Well, good morning, everybody. I said good morning, everybody. It's a little hard to hear in this theater because the walls are all padded, so you got to speak up a little loud. I'm so glad you all made it to worship with us this morning. Some of you, I, I saw you turning down, coming down the hallway and looking for where it was, and some of you saw the sign to the devil movie. This, the devil's in that room, and this is where Jesus is, so it's like a good, good news. Jesus is in that room, too, just some people don't know it. <laughs> There's a movie called Devil. It's right across the hallway. It's awesome. So great. That's what you get for having a church in a movie theater. We're so grateful that you took the risk to uh, be with us this morning. If you're brand new, first time, we want to welcome you. We want to say how glad we are that you came to worship with us. In your worship guide, there's a, there's a cool little thing there that I would love for you to fill out if you would like to just connect with one chapel. If you want to uh, share a prayer request with us, uh, if you want to uh, give us your information, I promise I will not sneak up to your front door and uh, try to stalk you in any way. I will, uh, it's a hassle-free guarantee. Uh, the only thing that will happen is I'll send you an email, all right? And so uh, if you'd like to get an email from me, uh, one of the commitments I'm making in a brand new church is I'm trying to meet with everybody who wants to meet with me. And uh, so uh, some of you have emailed me back this week, and I didn't get to you this week. It's okay. Uh, it's, it's coming. It's happening. And so I just think that's an important thing to do. I believe church is built on relationships, so I want to begin the process by meeting with everybody who wants to meet with me. And so, uh, so um, you can fill that out. That would be awesome. You can drop it in the offering as it goes by, the offering basket as it goes by at the end of the service. And then also, uh, you've got your worship guide there, and that has some things that are going on this week. I want to highlight the Wednesday night prayer meeting. We had a great prayer meeting last Wednesday night. There was, there was like 35 people at the prayer meeting. Uh, it was amazing. It was great. Uh, yeah, some of you are thinking, 35, is that a lot? No, it was really small. Usually we have hundreds. Um, so... I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, we just can't stop people from praying. They just want to so badly. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but if you want to come to the prayer meeting, uh, the best way to get to, to the, we, don't, we don't advertise where the prayer meeting is. You got to get on the list. So that's how you get on the list with that connection card. So then um, we've got um, this little CD is a giveaway that we want to give you. If you're brand new here today and this is your first time, then we want you to leave with a little gift. And so these are out on the tables. They're right before you leave, right before you exit uh, the lobby area of the movie theater. And you can just pick one up. Just go take one. No one will ask you any questions. If it's your second or third time and you've never gotten one, go ahead. Just pick one up. It's fine. It's no big deal. And so... um, so that's just some worship music that, that uh, I've been p- privileged to be a part of. And, uh, and so you can have that and take that home. And then right at the end of the service, today is a very special day. Does anyone know why? Square one. Square one is an incredible idea that um, I think the Lord gave us uh, to help people figure out how to... Um, just how to connect. You know, connecting in a church is very difficult sometimes, and trying to find your way and, and get to know people and f- figure out what to do and where to go and how to, how to just find your family is a really important uh, thing. So, um, so square one was kind of our idea to do that, and we start out with a square one luncheon. Well, <laughs> dummy that I am, uh, so many people signed up for the Square One Luncheon that we couldn't have it in the place where we wanted to have it. We were supposed to have it at California Pizza Kitchen right up here uh, in the mall. Did I say that funny? 
California Pizza Kitchen. California Pizza Kitchen. I like to call it CPK. We were supposed to go up to CPK, and uh, we kind of outgrew that. So what we're going to do is we're going to do what I would normally do in square one right here in church. All right? See, you, you, you guys are like the first group that's going to go through this thing anyway. And so I just decided that what we're going to do is I'm going to share with you kind of what generally what I would share with a group that comes and is checking out the church and trying to figure out, is this a place that I can belong to? And so that's what this morning's talk is going to be. But as I prepared this morning's talk, I realized one of the things that many church planters make mistakes uh, and, and I, we, we will be no different. We will make several mistakes. Uh, we've already made several in our young, short life. Uh, but, but one of the mistakes is trying to do too much too quickly. And you, you end up, what you end up doing is you end up doing lots of things badly. And uh, I don't really want to do a lot of things badly. I am okay with doing one or two things badly. But just so you know, there you can quote me on that. But I'm not okay with doing a lot of things poorly. And I think it goes back to my belief that church is not... Um, Church is not something that you sort of build in a mechanical way. It's something that is spiritual. It is a supernatural, supernatural dynamic. It's supernatural in the way that it happens. It's organic. It is uh, something that, that happens to a person's heart when they're added. I've said it many times that... And I, I, I've started writing it to you guys in my emails is that n- n- pretty much nobody gets to choose their own church, right? Um, people, sorry, nobody gets to choose their own family. They, we pretty much have to, have to allow Jesus to choose our family for us, right? You, if, you, if you're born into a family, no one would intentionally choose weird Uncle Harold, right? So you don't intentionally choose your own family, but you're born into it. Even adopted kids, they don't, they don't get to choose their own family. The parents choose them in much the same way that's how it happens in church. I think God chooses your family. And there's a lot of hopping and shopping <laughs> that we get in church. I mean, church shopping, I mean, let's just be honest. This is not a fun process. Shopping for a church. Have you ever been shopping for a church? Ooh, really? It's a t- now, I didn't really get the opportunity to shop for a church. I've just heard so many people talk poorly about it. Because <laughs> I grew up in uh, my dad's church. And so uh, he never gave me the choice. <laughs> so, I, so I had to go to his church all those years, and it was wonderful. It was a blessing to my life. It has formed me and made me who I am today, and so I'm grateful for that. And so, uh, but then I, I went to college, and then I had pretty much my first job out of college was the job I had before planting this church, and it was at New Life Church in Colorado Springs. And so New Life Church in Colorado Springs uh, was a wonderful place for me to be, wonderful place for me to grow up in ministry. It was an incredible thing, but I've only been in like three different churches in my entire life. Shopping for a church, though, has got to be the worst thing ever because what happens is it makes you, you, you sort of show up. I mean, you, you know, some of you did it this morning. You're, you drive up into the parking lot. You come in with your spouse or whoever you're coming with, and you get out of the car, and you're thinking, oh, I wonder what this is going to be like. Is this going to be weird? Are they going to handle snakes? <laughs> you go in, and then there they are at the front door, people that look like Walmart greeters. 
It's like, hey, hey they kind of look the same. You know, Walmart greeters, they're so nice and friendly. Hi, how are you today? You have no idea who they are. And they're like your best friend all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> you're, so you meet the greeters and you get your little thing and then you're looking around. You're kind of looking for a sign, you know, because that's, really that's really what we're trying to figure out is we want a sign. Jesus, give us a, sh- give us a sign to show us exactly if we're supposed to be here or not. So you wander around and you're kind of like, do they have a coffee bar? Because <laughs> I think coffee bars in churches are pretty much need to be on the list. Notice the sarcasm. I don't have anything against coffee bars, but it's not how you choose your church. So they, you, finally, you get your coffee, and you wander in. In this case, you're wandering into a movie theater. Actually, what you do is you take your kid, and, and you, you drop her off at the room, you know, that you check her in and all that stuff, and then she looks at you with that look. Don't send me in there. And you finally get her settled, and then you come back, and then you've got your coffee. You're coming in. You sit down. You're wondering, is there a sign and then you're worshiping with one eye open and one eye closed because you kind of you want to worship, but you're kind of looking at everybody. You want to see what's going on. Then you listen to the sermon like a seminary theologian. <laughs> the, the offering plate passes. You know, you stand up at the end. You pray. You go pick up your kid at the end. You go out to the parking lot. You get in the car. You look over at your spouse. You're like, yeah, that's not it. <laughs> What a horrible, horrible experience. Here's what I think is the problem. When you come and you're shopping or you're hopping, the bad thing is it makes you the, it makes you the critic. It makes you the critique person, the silent, sort of silent interviewer. You're trying to figure things out. Have you ever, have you ever heard there is actually a, a person that publishes in newspapers all over the country called the uh, silent worshiper or no, the worship... Let's see. Uh, I forget the name of it. She goes around and she, she visits churches and then evaluates them and publishes them in papers. It's a pretty interesting thing. She may be here this morning and then we will uh, fail miserably. So <laughs> she will say that the pastor rambled on and on and on. Um, here's the thing. When you come with that mentality of, the, of evaluating, uh, instead, of, instead of something else, instead of being open to what Jesus has, I just think it's the wrong point of view. I went to, uh, I remember going to my daughter's uh, recital when she was really young, just a first grade, second grade, something like that, and she was so cute, and we went to her recital at her school, and she's singing in the choir, and this little group of first graders, and, and she's there in her beautiful little bow, and her dress is so pretty, and she's standing there on the little riser, and the, and the and the kid in front of her was singing so obnoxiously loud that he took all the attention. And then, and then the teacher, she was not a good speaker. And then the, you know, the sound system was awful. It was horrible. And, and the, we were in the gymnasium. It just wasn't good. And I enjoyed every minute of it. And do you want to know why? Because I was there as a family member. There's something about being part of And w- listen, whether one chapel becomes your church or not, we're all part of this family. We're all part of what God is doing in Austin. We're all partnering with people who are working in this field. And so it's important for all of us to uh, not be too consumed by that church shopping thing. Being open to Jesus pulling on your heart and saying, this is where you belong. I think finding a church should be, feel more like fi- realizing your home than a process of elimination. You agree with that?
So, so uh, that's, that's kind of what I'm going to talk about here this morning. I'm gonna, just going to kind of give you the spiel uh, as if you were a brand new person, all right? And then what's going to happen is I'm going to stretch this little, these little talks out because I realized that we need to take our time and we need to grow this thing well. We need to grow it naturally. We need to grow it organically. Not try to do push and make too much happen too quickly. Just let relationships form. We need to put people together. We need to help people find their place. But we need to allow Jesus to sort of set the foundation stones in place. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Cool with that? All right. So... Um, so that's what we're going to do. And so this is kind of in our Yes series we've been uh, doing. We've said uh, saying yes to Jesus. We've done Jesus says yes to you. And now this is say yes to God's people. Say yes to God's people. And I'm going to talk about what church, what I think church should be like. All right? So, uh, so get your Bibles out. And uh, the first passage we're going to look at is John 17. John 17, you can start there. Let's pray together as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it brings life into us. And so as we share it, as we study it, as we talk about it, Lord, would you bring your illumination, your life, everything that you are into us. Reveal yourself to us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, Landon, I don't have a clock up here. It was sitting right here. Oh, there it is. (laughs) You will all be grateful that I took time to do that. (laughs) All right, so uh, so I kind of got into my I kind of got I kind of stumbled into my message a little early, and I'm cool with that. Um, but I want to give you the story of one chapel. All right, um, I want to give you the story of where I came from and and what happened. Um, I I've been a worship pastor for 19 years, and uh, a lot of people would come from time to time and say, "Hey, do you ever want to be a pastor?" <laughs> and I would turn to them and say. I am a pastor. <laughs> and what they meant was, do you want to be a senior pastor? Do you want to be the big dog? Do you want to be the guy that leads? And I, I, that question always bothered me because I, I was happy in my role. But every few years, I would find this gnawing in my own soul, my own heart, the way God wired me. I, I, I wondered if there would be a moment. Would I... Would I would I veer off from where I was headed in this worship and music world? And would I, would I find a place to lead a faith community? That happened over and over again over the years because it's just in me. It's just part of who I am. And the last opportunity I had to do that was probably five years ago. I, I was 39 years old. Yes, I'm 44. Isn't that amazing? Um, <laughs> I take pills. I'll sell them to you right out here afterwards. <laughs> Just kidding. About five years ago, I had a chance to take over a church, and, uh, and I just couldn't get the green light on it. I wanted to. I was ready to go. I felt like, Jesus, what do you want? What, do, I feel like you want me to do this, but you won't let me go do this. And, and so, um, so it just so happened that the church I was in went through uh, one, less than a year later after that happened, went through a horrible scandal with the senior pastor, and he fell into immorality, and then we had to clean up from that, and this is a large church that, that we were involved in, and I became the interim senior pastor during that season, and we walked through that as a family together. It was one of the most excruciating, difficult experiences I've ever had, and, um, 
But it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had because what I saw was I saw God's people pull together. I saw God's people do something pretty amazing. I saw um, the grace of God cover for uh, so many people involved, such hurt, such woundedness. And then, <laughs> then in that same church, 13 months later, um, a, uh, a shooting happened on our campus. Some guy came in with rounds of, thousand rounds of ammunition and, and came in and started shooting people. Two girls lost their lives. It was an incredible season. That, that, those two events, scandal and tragedy, in 13 months. It was, it was um, I will say it was, the, in a sense, the lowest I've ever been personally in ministry. But what happened was I saw what God did in people's lives in the middle of it. And it certainly wasn't a perfect process, but I'll tell you something. Jesus works with his church. Jesus loves his church. Jesus loves his bride, and therefore, I must as well. And I became so convinced that it is true. You've heard people say it before, but I'll say it again. The local church, I think, is the hope of the world. And that a group of people coming together to... to, uh, to share the message of Christ's love, that is what we're supposed to do. And there will be lots of other ministries and lots of other opportunities and lots of other outreaches, but the local church where people are discipled, where people come together as a family, that's priceless. That's something that God holds very dear. He loves his bride. And so I I learned during that season that I really love the bride too. And I want to give my life for the rest of my life, for his bride. And so, um, so I, I really believe that part of what we're doing here as we look at a church is we're not just, we're not just looking at, at it as an organization or something that we join. It's not, it's not this thing that we kind of get together to have a social event. It is a spiritual family. And so these key truths, I want to highlight it for you. Key truths, number one, the church is a spiritual family. We've already talked about that. Number two, God expects you to be a member of that church family. I don't think he wants people outside of the family. He wants people to join that family. Number three, a Christian without a church family is an orphan. Somebody who doesn't have a family is an orphan. God doesn't want any orphans. He wants everybody who belongs, everybody to connect. I am not an orphan because what happened in my church after these horrendous events, a new pastor came in, and began to lead our church. Now, it was really sticky because I was an interim senior pastor, and they, wanted, they considered me a candidate for the job. <laughs> How many of you know that's a bummer? Because what happened was, publicly, I was sort of rejected. So I had a big decision to make. What am I going to do? And what I decided was, I loved God's people more than I loved my own pride. And that was a really hard decision to make. <laughs> Because my pride feels a lot better sometimes than loving Jesus, loving Jesus or loving his people. But what happened was I stayed there for two years and we, and we healed that church. God healed that church and he used us to help in it. And so Pastor Brady Boyd, I came and talked to him one day and I said, hey, Pastor Brady, I can't get rid of this thing in me. I feel like uh, there's something that God wants me to do and I'm not sure what it is. He said, okay, let's pray about it. Now, Pastor Brady could have said when he came in, he could have gotten rid of the guy who wanted his job. That's how most guys are. 
but he didn't. We forged an incredible friendship. And what happened out of that is really the birthing of one chapel because as we prayed together and as we wrestled uh, over probably six months, it, was a, it, was a, it became so clear, it became so obvious that Jesus was doing something with me and something with him and something with New Life Church. And we were ready to launch. So New Life Church has sent us out with backing, with support, with encouragement, and they have sent us here, and their, their, last Sunday they showed a video of all of our, um, uh, um, blah, 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 what was it? The Launch Sunday. They showed a video of Launch Sunday, and it was awesome. The cheer went up through the crowd, and they love, listen, you have a group of people, whether you know it or not, that love you deeply. You don't even know them, and they love you because they love me. And there's going to be a really cool relationship that's going to go on between New Life Church and One Chapel for several years. And so we are their church plant. We are part of of that family, that extended family. I am not an orphan. I did not leave poorly. I left well. And And that means that you and I both get to be blessed. I really believe that. Because, it's, because this is a spiritual thing. This is not just uh, a little organization that I want to start. That because it's spiritual, because it's family, because it's that, then there's, there's repercussions when you leave poorly, when you violate relationships. And so I think there's something wonderful ahead for One Chapel because of those kinds of things. So a lot of what's happening at One Chapel is, uh, is something that we're going to... Uh, you know, as, as, as we figure out what to do, how to make things work right, it's a little bit like building a plane while you're flying it. <laughs> have you ever seen that video? I almost played that video this morning, but we don't have time for that. It's, it's like this, the plane's being built while they're flying. It's so silly. It's ridiculous. Some commercial. It's on the Internet. You can watch it on YouTube. Look it up. And so, so it's, we're kind of building it while it's in the air. So one of the things that's happening is... Um, we're trying to put pieces in place. And I want to highlight what's going to happen for you. The square one, square one idea is going to live. It's just not going to be a luncheon anymore. <laughs> Everybody say, oh, shucks. Oh, it's too bad. But square one is going to be this, this, um, this four-week series that happens every month. And on the first Sunday night of each month, we're going to have what's called Church 101. Then we're going to have dis- uh, we're going to have Essentials 201 on the second Sunday night. Then we're going to have Discovery 301. Then we're going to have what's called Team 1401. And this is what everybody who comes to the church we will want them to go through it because it gives us it gives them a chance to hear the story, gives them a chance to join the family, gives them a chance to hear what we believe and why, and then it helps them meet people on their way. This will be the way that people meet our family. Okay, does that make sense? So, do you have that up there, Casey? Oh, sorry. Uh, there it is. So here it is, Church 101, Essentials 201, what that is. Church 101 is history, mission, uh, sort of values, and all that kind of stuff. Essentials 201 is kind of, uh, whether you're a new believer or you're a, a believer that's been around a long time, it's kind of reinforcing the big ideas of what we believe and how we interpret the scriptures and what we believe about the Holy Spirit and what we believe about worship. And so it kind of gives some of that. And then Discovery 301 is you discovering your gifts, you discovering who you are, wh- what God wants you to do, and be involved with at the church. And then team one is uh, the way that everything happens around here. I will tell you that I came to plant this church by myself and I knew I had to be willing, but I sure didn't want to. 
There's an entire team that God has raised up, has brought already, that is making this happen, that set all this stuff up. People that came with me who have sacrificed much, and I'm so grateful because we're now making our own family. And it is incredible to watch that. That is an amazing uh, thing to behold as we see it happening and people connecting, all right? So this is what's going to happen, and this is how it's going to work. Um, and I think it's important for people to see this and to be involved in this kind of thing. And here's why I'm committed. If you've been a part of a church before, you've seen lots of things like this. But here's 1 Corinthians 1.10. It says, let there be real harmony among you so there won't be any split in the church. I plead with you to be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Too many churches are so spread out, they're too consumer-driven, and so they never take people through a process where they can really understand, where they can really connect, where they can really feel like they belong. And so that's, uh, that's the living Bible that's, that's kind of that verse. And I, I just think it's important for us to see where we're going and what we're doing and how it's going to work. All right? So that's, that's what's going to happen as we um, move forward. All right? Let's, let's keep going. Let's go, to, um, let's, let's go to John 17. All right? John 17. Look in your, uh, in your Bible there and... Um, I can't find my uh I can't find my John 17 passage. Um <laughs> Sorry, turn to your name and say it's all right. He's going to be fine. Huh. That's really weird. I'm missing a whole page. All right, I'll just look it up in my Bible. How about that? <laughs> Woohoo! I do have a commitment to looking things up in our Bibles. What's going to happen is I talked to somebody this week, and what we're going to do is um, we're going to make sure that people have Bibles all through your rows. So if they don't bring theirs, they get to use them. And so uh, uh, talked to a couple people this last week, and next week we will have that on track, ready to go. All right, so turn your Bibles to John 17. You've already turned there. Now I'm turning there. And here we go. John 17, verse 20. My prayer, this is Jesus saying these words, he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity, to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This is a fantastic passage. This is the genesis of where One Chapel came from. This is the vision statement for One Chapel. This is how we got our name. And so one of the things that I really believe that Jesus wants to do, he wants to do a couple things with us. Casey, you're going to have to put those, the next slides up there because I can't find my notes. Can you do that? I'll get better at this, I promise. We need to know what our identity is as well as Jesus knew his. Here's what was happening with Jesus. Just leave that up there. Here's what was happening with Jesus. He was praying for his disciples, but he didn't just pray for them. He said, I want to pray for everybody who will believe in me through their message. And he said, I want to pray for them that they will be one like you and I are one. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly what he was called to do. He knew exactly what God had planned. And as he did that, it was an incredible, it was an incredible thing that he had, that he had authority, he had wisdom, he had grace, he had strength. If we will understand 
Are you trying to give me notes? Sweet. <laughs> Look at that. Isn't that awesome? This is like the worst thing that could happen on the day that you do this. I mean, isn't it? It's like the worst thing ever. I can't find that page. I've looked through it like three times. I can't find it. What was I saying? Jesus knew who he was so much so. So much so that, we, that if, we will, if we will understand who we are in the family, if we'll be one together as his children, we can have incredible authority. We can have incredible grace. We can have incredible strength. We can do the things he's called us to do. All right? But there's two pieces of it. He says when we understand who we are and then uh, we love each other, Jesus will be revealed. Here's the thing. He said, I want my, the love that we have together for them to experience that love. I want us to be in them and them to be in us. I want us to be so connected. I want us to understand who, who we are. I want, us to, I want them to understand that who we are and who they are. John eleven thirty five. you know what it says? It says that the world will know that we are his disciples if we have love for who? It says they'll know we're his disciples if we have love for one another. You know what's so interesting about that little passage? It's not as, it's not if, it's not as if we're loving them is the issue that speaks to them so great. I know there's an entire movement right now on the church getting outside the walls. And listen, we are going to do some stuff. We are going to get outside these walls and we're going to work and we're going to put feet and hands to the love that we have for people and for our city. No doubt about it. But Jesus is the one who said that they'll recognize you, not by your good deeds. They will recognize you not just by um, the things you do for them, as much as we need to do that. What he said was, they'll recognize you if you love each other. It's so sad to me when I hear the stories of churches that don't love each other. There are so many churches where people are fighting, striving, irritated with one another, selfish, consumed with themselves, position, power, politics, crazy stuff. I can't believe it happens as much as it does. One chapel is not going to be a place where any of that happens. There is going to be some wrestling that goes on because all of us are human and all of us are going to have to deal with our own personal issues and there will be political dynamics. But listen, we are going to teach one another. We're going to share with one another. We're going to, we're going to hold each other responsible to love each other so that we can be one, so that the world will see. So there's two, there's two parts of this mission. There's two parts of this vision. One half of one chapel vision is about community. The other half is about the mission, it's, it's two-sided. They're two sides of the same coin. It's not as if you can do one or the other. You have to do both. You can't just be a community and love one another and enjoy each other without there being a mission. And this is why Jesus said, I want them to be one so that the world will what? What does it say? So that the world will believe that you sent me. <laughs> Good guess, Dad. <laughs> That's why you got to have your Bible open right there. <laughs> so that the world will believe that you sent me. People will believe if they see people loving each other. And we, this is our mission, that we share that love with, with one another and with them. We've got to see God doing what he wants to do in our city. Here's what I believe about the city church, all right? 
I love the city church. I love the fact that we are not here alone, that there are other churches that are, that are pulling with us, that are, that, are, that are healthy and strong and able to serve people. And so as we look around the landscape of the city, I believe that one church can never save a city alone. There's no way that one church can do it. I didn't come to Austin to save Austin. I came to do what Jesus asked me to do. I came to build a good, healthy, strong local church. I came to empower believers. I came to equip people to do what God already put in them. That's what I do as a pastor, and that's what God wants to do in one chapel. But we're partners with people all over this city who are going to be doing the same thing. And we partner with so many other churches to share the love of Christ. I mean, let's, let's make no mistake about it. When you start a new church, you get people coming who have had bad experiences with other churches. You heard me say it last week if you were here. If you've got unfinished business in another church, go back and fix it. Make sure it's right. Make sure you leave well. And you may not be able to leave with everything, um, you know, totally um, uh, in, a, in some kind of agreement because you, you just need to go because I know that happens. It's okay for that to happen. Jesus is the one that leads people to different places. But I believe that when people come to a new church, usually they bring all their baggage from the last church. So they see everything that I'm doing through the lens of their last pastor. They see everything that they're doing through the lens of their own last experience. So we need to make sure that that gets cleaned up. But listen, make no mistake, God is drawing believers to one chapel to make it strong and so that we can pull together. Because, well, because, because what he does first is he pulls a bunch of people together who know the call, who understand the vision, who understand the mission, and then he puts them together and he begins to form them and shape them and make them into a family. And as he makes them into a family, the world begins to watch and see it happen. And as the world watches and sees it happen, they go, what is that? And then the family begins to live in a way that demonstrates with their tangible actions their love for their community. And they begin to share the message of Jesus Christ and what he's done in their lives and who he is to them. They're, they have secure identity, and so they can easily articulate it to other people because they belong to a family. They belong to Jesus. They belong to, to a, a, a group of people that makes them strong and secure. And as that begins to happen, then new people come into the family. New people begin to be born into the kingdom. There's a supernatural process that begins to happen. I'm pretty excited about that. I mean, doesn't that make you excited? I mean, you're, I, know, I know coming to a new church is kind of like, what's in it for me, right? Because what's, what's, what's here for me? Do I feel good? Do I feel? Listen, the truth is one chapel is going to be very quickly focused so much on what's going on out <laughs> that if you're too focused in, it's not going to be fun for you. Because I believe in heaven and hell. I believe it's real. I believe that Jesus is calling people into his kingdom. He's, he wants people to know who he is so badly that we have got to be the people that he will use to reveal himself. If you want to look at, uh, if you want to look at Luke 15, go over to Luke 15 real quick. Because this is the other part of the message. Luke 15, we, we read this last week. But I want to read it again. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. <laughs> How crazy is that? Jesus eating with sinners. And the religious people start getting so crazy. Luke 15, 1, and, and then, then 
Start up at verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, notice this verse. Read this carefully. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner. Hold up your finger. (laughs) More rejoicing over one sinner. More rejoicing over one sinner. This phrase is wrecking me right now. More rejoicing over one, one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Wow. Wow. Jesus teaches us that we should be willing to leave 99 others to chase after the one who is lost. One chapel will use all of its energy and resources to do the same. To make sure that we are Paying attention to the individual. Now, here's the thing. In the church, if there's no lost being found, if you have a church where there's no lost being found, notice what it says here. No lost being found, no party to enjoy. <laughs> if there's no party to enjoy, no life will be found. What happens when lost people are coming into the kingdom, when people are joining the family? What happens is there, there's a big party. If you look at Luke 15, you see the, the, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the, law of the prodigal son. And what you see in each of those is a big party. People are having a huge party after when the lost is found. And churches that don't have people being found don't have big parties. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to go to a church that doesn't have big parties. Because that makes it dull and boring. Like, who cares? I want to have a great time. I want to eat pizza and have loads of fun, which we're going to do in about 20 minutes. Turn to your neighbor and say, pizza. Here's some guiding principles, all right? Here's some guiding principles I want you to, you want you to see and I want you to understand. Guiding principles. There's really three of them, and new, li- or new life, oh, jeez, wow, I thought I was done with that, oh, that's what 19 years of New Life Church will do for you, right there, it just gets in your brain and you can't undo it, here's what one chapel is going to stand for, here's our guiding principles, some guiding ideas, all right, number one, we are going to be a presence-based church, presence, relationship, and mission. These are three ideas that we've got to have that I think define the character of our church, all right? Let's start with presence-based, all right? This means that we believe that God is present. Everybody say present. We believe God is present within us and in a special way when we come together. He's not just resident here. In fact, I have a belief about worship that it's not, when you come to worship, you're not trying to get God to come do something. Can I just tell you, he already wants to. He already wants to so badly, he sent his only son to demonstrate how much he loves you. And by hanging on a cross, it's an incredible gift to you and me. He wants to make sure that you know this. He's already here. He's already willing. Here's a great phrase. You can, you can repeat it to your friends and neighbors. God loves his people more than you do. <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't have to repeat it now, but you repeat it later. And you repeat it now, too. That's great. I like that. Um, when you come to worship, what happens is it's not so much getting God to come. He's already come. What it is is we get gunked up all week long 
We get junk in here. Where does the Holy Spirit reside? The Holy Spirit resides in a person. This is because Jesus went to heaven after he was raised from the dead in power, seated at the right hand of the Father, and then he sent another comforter. He called him a comforter, a counselor, a counselor and a comforter to help you, to lead and guide us into all truth. That's the Holy Spirit. So when you become born again, when you're born into the family, when you become a believer, when you follow Christ, what happens to you is the Holy Spirit is given to you. You become the temple. Everybody say temple. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 3.16. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so what happens is he's resident within you. And the, and, the, and the joy of worship is making sure you don't get all gunked up through the week. You know, Jesus, Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. It's not getting the presents in. It's letting them out. It's really the problem with the church lots of times. It's just letting them out. Letting them out to do, do what he does. And if you're going to let the presence of God be among you, if you're going to recognize it and honor it, God is, a, God is present in a very special way in our gatherings. He's present when we come together because of Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, where two or three are gathered in my name. What does it say? He's there. When you come into agreement and you affirm that this is my family, that these are the people I love, these are people I'm going to do life with, the scriptures say that Jesus is there in a special way. There's a manifest presence that happens. But I think that what we have to make sure we, we're settled with is that this presence-based idea, that we live in it all week long. I'm not talking about a presence-based church service. I'm talking about a presence-based life. Because the secret and the key to living a life and acknowledging God in every area of your life, finances, emotions, relationships, work, whatever it is, the key to it is being aware that he is there. That was pretty good. I, th- I think that was good. Here, here, turn, turn in your Bible. Turn over to Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Acts 4, 13. I, I have so many pages up here. This is ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> Acts 4, 13. Look at, look what it says. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been, what does it say, with Jesus. Take your little little pen and mark it right there, with. Big underline right under with. What changed those men was not just the information they received from Jesus while sitting around the campfire. What changed those men was being with him, watching him work, connecting with him, being involved in what he was involved with. This is what defines, I think, a church. Churches have a a spirit. Churches have a a thing. And what it is is the, the Holy Spirit expression of what he does there. I want one chapel to be a place where people know that God is working. God is doing something. God is moving It's a place where his presence is honored, where he's active. Now, what that means is it might get a little weird from time to time, but that's okay 
the Holy Spirit does weird things. <laughs> All you got to do is read the scripture. There are, some, there are some very strange occurrences that happen from time to time. I just want to be one of those churches that does, I don't, there's two kinds of churches typically. One kind of, one kind of church, they, they, they do all the weird stuff, all the Holy Spirit stuff, but then they never kind of stop and talk about it. So it develops a lot of stylized baggage. Are you with me? Then there's another kind of church that says they believe in all that stuff. Oh, yeah, we believe in all that. That's great. But you never see it in operation anywhere. You don't see the gifts. You don't see the, 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 the a lot of times you don't see the fruit, but you, the, the, you don't see it. So I don't want to be either one of those extremes. I want to be the church that will, that will actually be willing to do the crazy stuff See people be healed. See people using the gift of the Holy Spirit that's in them. And then I want to be a church that when something really kind of weird happens. <laughs> so you're all getting to know each other right now. So there's a lot of this, you know, you're just not sure. Comfort, there's, comfort, there's a comfortability that happens as we go on in this thing that will allow for more Holy Spirit stuff. And so when, when that happens, I want to be able to stop the service and say, hey, 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 guys, let me tell you what this is, right? Here's what the scriptures say. Here's how it happened in the first century. It happens the same today. Presence-based means we're aware of him. John 5.39. 5.39. Look what it says. John 5.39. Turn over there. Just take a minute to turn over there, all right? John 5.39 says... Jesus is talking to the Pharisees right here. He says, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Here's what Jesus is saying. Look at this. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you Pharisees, you know the scriptures so well. You know the Torah, you know the Old Testament, but what he says is, you think that you can get eternal life somehow by studying those. This is a crazy thought, isn't it? Is Jesus actually discouraging study of the Bible? No, he's not. I just wanted to take you there, just to the edge, and then, no, he is not discouraging the study of the Bible. But what he is saying is you can't study the scriptures alone and think that that will be enough. Your knowledge of the scriptures is not enough for God to be active in you. Jesus tells the Pharisees, he says, these scriptures point to me and you can't even see it. That Isaiah 53 scripture, they knew that one really well. They knew, they knew these scriptures, but they couldn't see it. They couldn't let, and here's the thing. Here's what needs to happen is the Holy Spirit has to reveal to people what the scriptures say. It's the only way it really happens. The, the, this is what the Apostle Paul actually says. He says, the, the carnal mind is not fruitful at all, but the spiritual mind, the spiritual man, the one who has the Holy Spirit, then he, he can lead him and guide him into the truth that is in the Scriptures. So it's studying the Scriptures alone without the Holy Spirit, without the recognition of God's presence, is what Jesus is saying. It can't happen. You've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to deal with Jesus. You've got to be willing to be with Jesus. And the way that happens is by his spirit being inside of you, all right? Number two, relation, relationships, relationally driven. One chapel is going to be presence-based and relationally driven. Here's what this means. This means that we hold relationships as one of our highest 
values for everything we do. Now, I want you to pay attention to this, both inside and outside the church. The relationships are the way that we do evangelism, and the relationships are the way we do ministry. You can't do evangelism. I mean, you listen, we're going to do some projects, but it's not projects that really get people to understand who Jesus is. It's relationships who get people to understand who Jesus is, and them witnessing your life. That's how the best evangelism works, and the best ministry between people in a church happens relationally, and so we've got to really embrace this. Ephesians 4, 15. Look at that. Ephesians 4, 15. says, instead of what he's talking about, he says, speaking the truth in love. Everybody say that phrase together. Ready? Speaking the truth in love. No, say it one more time. Now, some of you resisted. One more time. Speaking the truth in love. <laughs> that, see, that wasn't so hard. Just full participation. It's a wonderful thing. Here's, here's, here's what I think this passage is. Ephesians 4.15, it says, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow into him who is the head, Christ Jesus. For from him, everybody say from him. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Supporting ligaments, growing, building itself up, every piece being held together. You know what they're held together by? Do you know what every supporting ligament is? Those are relationships. Relationships hold it all together. Relationships are the way, the conduit of all ministry. And the way we're going to do it is we're going to use small groups. There's, there's no way around this. This church is going to grow because Jesus is going to see people come into the kingdom through it. And as it grows, we're going to need to disciple them. And so we're going to call them connect groups. So connect groups are going to be a place where you can be involved, where you can connect to the people around you, and you can connect to what God is doing. So connect groups are going to be the thing that we call them, and it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be fabulous. Getting connected at one chapel means participating in a small group. All right? Now, I haven't started them yet because I've just begun to identify leaders who can do it. And so as that process starts, we'll start with a group of leaders, and then there will be a second batch of leaders that are added to that. And it will happen little by little. In the meantime, if you don't have a place where you can find, if you, you know, and, and probably in the next week or two, I'm going to highlight all those leaders for you. So one of the things that's so important is for you just to be friendly enough to meet a new person. Just to Meet them in the hallway here. Meet them for coffee. Meet them, invite them over for dinner. Do something that will connect them to you. And as we get this rolling, what's going to happen is I believe that we've got to, as a church becomes bigger, we've got to become smaller. Why don't you put that up there, Casey? As the church, I think the church must become bigger and smaller at the same time. Some people like a small and intimate church. Some people like a big, strong church where they can hide. I think it has to be both. What? You don't think you've ever hidden in a church? It's okay. It's, it's all right to admit it. It does happen. And it's okay to hide for a little while while you're healing or while you're just recovering from whatever you've been through. But listen, part of the healing, part of the process is going to be getting connected to people that you can trust, building relationships that will feed you and you can feed them, giving people access to your lives. I believe it has to get bigger because of heaven and hell. I believe it has to get smaller because of the value of each individual. I think we're in a war. There's no doubt about it. And if we, think, if we think we're not in a war, we kid ourselves. And so it's important for us to be rallied together, connecting in a group. How does it work? 
on Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom? Have you ever seen it? Have you ever seen it? It's the little defenseless gazelle running off from the pack. And then you can see, I don't know how they get these close-up shots, but it's right there, the lion waiting. It's usually multiple lions and lionesses. And they're ready. And the little stupid gazelle wanders off alone, doing his thing, drinking some water, not being, and what happens? The lion begins to sneak around and get in between the gazelle and the rest. And when he does that, he's toast. And then that awesome chase. <laughs> and then the end, the blood, the neck, the breaking, over. Hey, the devil does worse. So listen, that relationship thing, speaking the truth in love, you've got to develop relationships. We all have to develop relationships that will connect with one another in a way that gives people access to you and to your life so that they can coach you. You can coach them. I think last thing I'm going to give you today is connect groups provide three things. They provide a place to connect. I know, brilliant, right? Stay with me. It's deep. I know it's super deep, but just stay with me. (laughs) They provide a place to connect deeply. There's an opening up. Whatever a person is like, here's this little scripture in 1 Corinthians. Whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. There's a process here where you let people, where you help people connect and they become more and more like Christ. It's a place to protect people. A place to protect people. We know that what real love is because Christ gave up his life for us, and so we also ought to give up our lives for our Christian brothers and sisters. First John 3.16. We give another person access, and that protects us. We give each person a place to grow. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And here's the last thing I want you to think about before we leave. No one needs to be defined by their greatest weaknesses. Because we can all benefit from the strengths of others. God's design is that we won't be alone. God's design is that we will be connected enough with each other that we will be protected, we'll be connected. Our weaknesses, the worst things about us in our lives do not have to define us. Why? Because he put us with a bunch of other people. And in this crowd, even today, there are people who can help you with what you're dealing with because they have expertise, because they've been through it before, because they've experienced it themselves. You have an, you have an accountant and you have a, an intercessor. <laughs> Those two guys almost never become friends. But the way the body of Christ is supposed to work is the accountant is supposed to become prayer, prayer, prayer is supposed to become prayerful. <laughs> Because he hangs out with a guy who really understands prayer. And the accountant maybe has a weak prayer life, but he begins to strengthen his prayer life because he's hanging out with a guy who really understands Jesus and how he speaks. The intercessor, he is a praying machine, but he can't balance his checkbook. And since he can't balance his checkbook, he needs to hang out with the accountant. And as he hangs out with the accountant, they speak the truth in love to each other. Most churches, it's either all truth or all love. Shape up. You're not doing a good job. Change that. Or it's all love. Oh, we just love you, brother. You're just so wonderful. And then later in the back room, can you believe what they just did? I can't believe how that happened. 
Speaking the truth in love has to, has to be this thing that we grab a hold of, that we connect to. And as we do it, God will do something amazing in your life. Now, you know there's one more point left, right? It goes to next week. So you'll have to get it next week. Everybody just take a moment here. Close your Bibles. Close your eyes. I want you to think about what you've been through in your life with Jesus. And there's really two people I want to just speak to right now. The first group is a group of people that may be here or maybe you're here and you just, you have, um, you've really struggled in your relationship with Christ or maybe you just haven't really had one. And I want to speak directly to you. You, you haven't, you haven't known the, the love of Christ in a personal way. And if, if you're here this morning, I don't want to let the morning go by without giving an opportunity for you to respond. You were here. You came to church. We sang these songs. We shared these scriptures. We talked together. And during it, you felt the Holy Spirit speaking to you, or you felt God calling you. Maybe you've had a relationship with him in the past, but it's been a very long time, and it's time to renew it. I want to give you a chance to say yes to Jesus right now. And if he's knocking on the door of your heart, if you're, listening, if you're hearing what I'm saying, and you don't quite understand it all, but you, you know you feel something because God is calling you. He's calling you to himself. So if that's you, I just want you to, if you feel like you're making a commitment today to follow Jesus, maybe for the first time or for the first time in a long time, I want you just to shoot your hand up in the air. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to make you do anything. I just want you to respond. Just shoot your hand up. Yep, I see that hand. Yep, I see that hand. Yep, more. I see that up there. Yep, way in the back. That's great. Awesome. Don't hesitate. Don't argue with Jesus. He, (laughs) he always wins. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. Anybody else? first time or first time in a long time, you just want to say, yes, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. Good. Second group of people, I want you to just consider for a moment. God wants to place the lonely in families. That's what the scripture says. God places the lonely in families. If you feel like an orphan, you're a Christian, you're a believer, but you feel like an orphan. You feel like, man, what I've been through, I don't know if I can trust other people again. Some of you in this room have been hurt and discouraged by God's people somehow. I know I've been there. I've seen it. I've experienced it myself. But you sense that the Holy Spirit is wanting to heal you today from a past hurt or a past wound or something that the church has done or a disappointment. It may be that you're just disappointed. Expectations were not fulfilled. And you want to get that cleaned up and respond to what Jesus is saying to you today. If that describes you, just nobody looking around, nobody else has to know, I just want you to respond. I just want you to kind of lift your hand up in the air. Yep, just do it. 
I'm not even going to respond to the lifting of the hand. I just, if you're here, I just want you to say, yes, God, I receive your healing. Yes, I receive your strength. Yes, I receive a renewing in my heart and my mind. I receive that place. I don't want to be an orphan anymore. I want to be part of the family. Help me. Heal me. Let me just pray for you. Heavenly Father, you see all these hands raised, and I pray that you let let your healing strength and healing power come into each one of them. Give them grace, Lord. Give them peace. Father, I pray that you heal that wound, that hurt, that disappointment. Lord, would you help them to forgive? Help them to forgive the imperfections of your church and to keep their eyes upon you. Help every one of us, Lord, to fix our gaze directly on you. Not to get it too well set on people, but to fix our eyes on you so that we can love one another. Let healing happen this morning in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. Now we all say things we don't mean way too often, but I want you to say something in prayer this morning and I want everyone in the room to pray with me and I, I'm going to lead all of you in a prayer and it'll be a prayer of repentance it'll be a prayer of, of following Jesus but I want us to say it and I want us to say it with meaning with faith mixing it with faith we'll articulate this to Jesus everybody just pray this prayer with me repeat after me say Heavenly Father thank you for Jesus thank you for forgiveness I repent of my sins. I don't want to follow my own way. I want to follow your way. I want to follow your path. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Heal me. Make me new. Make me a new person today so I can follow you all the days of my life. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for every person who's prayed this prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time. Let your Holy Spirit come and get a hold of them. Wash them. Thank you for washing them clean and free of their sins and allowing them to respond to your great love. We thank you for this. and We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank the Lord. Hey, let's, the last thing we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to share in the offering together. We, we've made a commitment that we're going to be givers at one chapel. And, um, and so I want you to uh, prepare to receive the tithes and offerings. Um, people give for different reasons. We don't expect any of you who are brand new to give this morning. We believe that this is a, a place where people who, who this is their home church, we are the ones that give in this offering. So if you want to give, that's fine, but we don't expect you to. We give because we worship God. We give because we communicate that money doesn't hold us. It doesn't rule us. We give to build God's kingdom. We give to worship Him. And so that's what we're going to do. As the offering goes by, you can get prepared to do that. Now here's what's going to happen next week. All right, everybody say next week. 
Next week, we're going to continue right where we left off, and then we'll go on to another little subject there. And so next four or five weeks, it's going to be the next four weeks in October, I'm going to do Church 101 with each one of us. And we're going to put foundation stones in place and make sure that we are all on the same page as we go forward. Does that make sense? All right, so I want you to uh, to come back. Let's go for it together. Let's do it. Let's make it make it something that Jesus is doing in us. Let's be open to what he wants to say and what he wants to do. All right, let's pray over our offering and then we'll worship together. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving to us. Lord, no matter how much we give, it could not be enough to match what you've done for us. So we don't give to give back to you. We give because we love you. We give because we worship you. We give because we believe in your kingdom and what you're doing in this city, in this church. Father, we thank you for this and we love you and we bless you. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Pray, and everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord while we give. <laughs>